episode 5, season 2, we're back again, it's the Armchair Managers podcast, as always I'm Ross Evans, here with my co-host Dan Newton. Hello. And well, what a week it's been for football, eh? Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. VAR controversy, Mourinho admitting that Tottenham have no history and that they got robbed, but what's more important really? (laughs) It's incredible week of football, another crazy weekend, let's get straight into it. Yep. So, as always, we start off with looking at the predictions we made last week for the weekend's games. Um, both of us predicting a United win, which we got right. Yeah. Just not quite in the circumstances that we were expecting. Yeah, I think if you actually watched the game, it was anything but a United win based off the mm. pattern of play. Um, Brian should have been out of sight. Yeah. Should have won maybe four or five. Hitting the woodwork five times, yeah. um, which I think is a record, isn't it? It's something like that, yeah. I think um, one of the players hit it three times himself, and I think that was definitely a record. Yes, I believe that Leandro Trossardi hit the left post, the right post, and the crossbar in one game. I think, it's, yeah, I think it might be the first time it's ever been done. Yeah, that is an imperfect hat trick if I've ever heard of yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, United didn't look great, did they? No, they looked poor. They looked off it. Um, just didn't really look up for the game. Uh, they weren't great going forward. Um, although Rashford did score a really good goal. Yeah. Um, but no, they were just all over the place defensively. Yeah. I think Wan-Bissaka had a terrible game. Yeah. It's probably the worst he's had at United. Yeah, you got to say, Brighton, uh, Tarek Lamptey was impressive again. Yeah, as right always. Back. Yeah, he's three games now in Premier League, all starting, and he's looked really solid won the penalty off Bruno Fernandes of course yeah um, he's looking he's you know another talented English right back yeah as I said last week if I was him or any other English right back I would work on my left foot because yeah there are so many great English right backs and I think he's getting close to being up there with, with the better ones yeah yeah it's um, obviously controversial penalty which we'll get on to the VAR involvement later on in the show. Yeah. But do you think it was a penalty? I think it was. Um, I think even last season it would have been a penalty. I think it's more kind of stupidity um, from Neil Mapai. Yeah. Um, to put his arm up like that is, you know, it's always going to be a penalty these days. Yeah. And I think it was just stupid and very frustrating to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the first, moving on to. Next game, first time this season, I got a correct result. Congratulations. A 2-1 win to Everton, away to Palace. Um, you, of course, pre- predicted the right swing, who would win, but a little optimistic on the scores. It was probably the only game that didn't have much controversy in it. Um, I don't think so. There might have been another handball in there, but, um, you know, it's just, like I said, we'll get onto all of the big VAR stuff later on. But I think on the context of play, you know, Everton deserved the win. Yeah. And they've been they've been pretty good for the first three games of the season. And they're sitting, I think, second only on goal difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, won all their games. Looked very good. And um, I think they'll be right up there this year. Yeah, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin is playing really well at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, scored another goal. Yeah, it's... And James Rodriguez, another really sort of showing that um, class is permanent because he's looked... Yeah, he's, he's looked good, the real he? deal. Yeah, yeah he, he's looked like he did at the World Cup, really. Yeah. He's shown why Real Madrid paid all that money for him. Yeah. Do you think that, obviously, Ancelotti, we know, is a great manager, and Everton have got some more money, and do you see, 
Also, I predicted Everton to be in the top six this season. Do you, are you starting to regret not putting them in? Obviously, it's um, pretty early. I'm regretting putting Wolves up there, but um, we'll get <laughs> on to that in a minute. Um, but no, they definitely look like they'll be contending for sort of European places. Yeah. And um, so do Arsenal as well. So I think yeah. my predictions, at least at the start, are probably going to be wrong yeah. at the end of the season. But um, no, they, they look really good. Yeah, I mean, they'll prob- it'll probably be a clearer picture more sort of around January transfer window time. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, they're going to be a force this season, I think. I think teams would be silly to underestimate them now. Yeah, definitely. They, they look like they can, on their day, take on anyone else in the league so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, impressive team, aren't they? And obviously, we expected that under Ancelotti. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a team who we've seen now under a great manager potentially getting robbed in <laughs> Tottenham uh, with a 1-1 draw against Newcastle. Yeah. <sighs> VAR at it again, as we'll focus a little <laughs> bit more on VAR as a whole. Yeah. Like I said later on the show, but got to say that Newcastle were shocking. They, they were awful. Um, they I think Joe Linton was probably their best player, and that says how bad they were. And he was playing out position on the uh, left exactly. wing, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but no, much like the Brighton game, um, Tottenham should have been out of sight, had yeah. enough chances to kill the game, didn't take them. And yeah. in this day and age, with the handball rule as it is, you're always going to run the risk of Andy Carroll hitting the ball at someone's arm, and you get given away a penalty. Yeah. And it's 1-1, and it's very undeserved, I think, for Newcastle. Yeah. Spurs are very unlucky, and um, yeah, it's a very frustrating thing to yeah. watch right now. I mean, you have to say for Newcastle that Carl Darlow put an exceptional performance, made some very important saves, that if it wasn't for him, I think Newcastle go in at half-time 4-0 down, maybe yeah. more. Yeah, I mean, Spurs hit the woodwork a lot of times as well. Yeah. Um, I know Sun hit the crossbar right near the end yeah. of the first half, and... Yeah, they they rode their luck quite considerably, but yeah. he put in a good performance. And at the end of the day, if you can keep it to one nil yeah. going into the sort of added time, you're always gonna have a chance. Yeah, and of course, they did get their chance in yeah. dubious circumstances. Um, but we will get onto that in a minute. Uh, we'll yeah. finish off with probably the biggest game of the weekend in Manchester City Leicester which we both predicted a Manchester City win and uh, didn't quite turn out that way, did it? No, I, I think everyone was kind of shocked by this. Um, Man City looked good in the game against Wolves and um, they, I mean, they looked good in the first half against Leicester. Yeah. They would go on to win sort of 2-3-0. Exceptional strike from Riyad Mahrez for oh, the opener, was wasn't goal. it? Yeah, fantastic strike on his weaker foot as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, Man City were all at seas at the back. The defence is still all over the place. Yeah. And I don't think if they can sort that out, then they're never going to sort of compete for the title again. Yeah. They have certainly got issues at centre-back, haven't they? You know, the signing of Nathan Ake, which he's a good centre-back. Yeah. But I don't think that he can play with someone who's as inexperienced as Eric Garcia. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's just centre back. I think defensively, you know, the left backs, the right backs. Yeah. You know, Mendy, Walker, they're pretty good going forward. Yeah. You know, Walker's especially good, but defensively, they're not great. Yeah. I mean, they all gave away penalties. 
I think Walker gets covered by his recovery pace, doesn't it? It's, yeah, but he's getting older. He gets, he gets caught up the field, but he's so quick and powerful coming yeah. back that you can he can give a, a t- opposing player a five-yard head start and probably still beat them to the ball. He can, but how long is he going to be able to do that for? You know, mm. in like two years' time, when well, his legs are starting to go a bit more, yeah. he's going to get exposed more and more. And maybe Jao Cancelo is going to be the long-term replacement. But yeah. I think they need more organisation and I think better covering as well from Rodri. Yeah. Who, uh, we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. Um, I think we've got to talk about Benjamin Mendy as well. He, yeah. did, he didn't look at the races at all, did he? No, he gave away a lazy penalty. Yeah. I, mean, I describe it. He just didn't need to make that challenge. I mean, they gave away three silly penalties, didn't they? It's, yeah. yeah. Um, Walker, and they're almost identical penalties. Yeah. It's a def- attacker coming over their shoulder to goal side position and just running into them like they're not even aware of them yeah or even it's just once he goes past you you just got to let him go like yeah you, you're better off seeing what he can do like maybe he's going to go ahead and score or cross the ball but maybe you won't at least try and reposition yourself yeah exactly if you just pull him down and give away a penalty you're giving away a much better opportunity yeah especially when they've got someone like Jamie Vardy yeah who's a specialist from that situation yeah and had a brilliant game overall yeah like you're just asking for trouble yeah, I mean, Vard, we mentioned Vardy, he's scored nine goals against Manchester City. And I can't believe it, but he's a player who loves... It's like Suarez just always scored against Newcastle when he was... Uh, yeah, not, uh, Norwich. Norwich. Yeah. He was at Liverpool. And Vardy's doing the same thing to City. Yeah. He loves playing them. It's his second hat-trick against them, which yeah. is sensational when you consider yeah. the quality they've had over the years. Yeah. But, you know, when you when you give him three penalties, yeah. it's not exactly hard, is it? No, Um I mean, we have to touch on as well James Madison's goal. Oh, yeah, that's that was a special finish, wasn't it? Yeah. But again, we got to touch on Eric Garcia. Backs off him. Doesn't close the ball down. If you saw the replays of the goal, Madison gets a good five seconds to just dribble into space, get his head up, have a look, see that Edison isn't maybe... He's not in a bad position, but he knows if he puts it in the right place, he's going to score, and he does exactly that. And Eric Garcia doesn't go and close him down. Yeah, I mean, if you back off players like that in the Premier League, you're just asking to be punished. Yeah, especially someone like Madison. Yeah, he's got a brilliant strike on him. Yeah, and talented young player, and they thought they'd learnt their lesson off seeing how well he played last season, but apparently not. It's... No, is just terrible for Man City. Yeah. And, I mean... Leicester are a good team, but you, you can't be dropping points this early. No. It's um, City, I think, if they don't sign another centre-back and a solid centre-back. Uh, admittedly, there aren't a lot of top-level centre-halves that are available. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think of who the top centre-halves are in the world at the moment, are they available? Van Dijk? No. Sergio Ramos? No. Rafael Varane? No. I mean, they've got one in Laporte. Yeah, he he's good, but um, they need another one, and I think they need more defensive-minded players around them in the full-back positions as well. Yeah, and um, I know there's talk of Ruben Diaz moving there. Yeah, um, it's the latest one, who I think would be a, an improvement. Yeah, but um, I th- I just I don't know. I don't know where yeah. they go. I think it's deeper than just the personnel. I think yeah, tactically they need to change a little bit to cope with their defensive yeah. sort of failures. Yeah, I mean, but you got to say that you know. Guardiola is still a top coach. Anyone who's yeah, yeah. anyone who's jumping on the bold fraud brigade probably needs a head checked because it ain't happening. No, no, not yet. Anyway, <laughs> no. Um, but as we said, cracking game, wasn't it? 
Oh yeah, it was a great game to watch, but um, I'm sure Man City fans would be very frustrated with I do, the I, manner of the defeat. I do feel sorry for whoever that are playing next because I've, I've got a feeling that could be a... We've seen it from City before. They take a bad loss and then the team that comes next doesn't matter. They just get hammered. Yeah, they, they, they'll want to punish whoever they come up against next. Yeah. Right, just before we get into the VAR stuff, we've got to talk about, I think as well, Mourinho's comments... Um, after the Tottenham game, and it kind of links in. So for those who didn't see the game, um, Mourinho's comments came after a penalty was given to Newcastle for a handball, VAR checked handball call on Eric Dyer. Now to explain the situation, Cross came in from the left side of the ball of the of the goal um, to the head of Andy Carroll, whose head was back across goal. But obviously Eric Dyer has jumped, missed the ball, it's gone over his head. And the ball has been headed onto his arm. Yeah, Dyer's also got a little push in the back from Dyer's Callum got Wilson push, as yeah, well. Yeah, push in the back. And Eric Dyer it has his back to Andy Carroll. Yeah, can't see him, can't see the ball. This is given as handball and the penalty ensued, which Newcastle then scored from. Did VAR, in your opinion, get the call right, first of all? Um, I mean, it's a weird one because you look at the new handball rules and... I think maybe under those rules, it's probably correct, but yeah. that rule is stupid and should be changed. Yeah. But I think a bigger thing for me is, you know, you look at the push on I him mean, before, would you say that's a foul? If that's a foul, then do you not, you know, retract the handball? And even before that, you look at the free kick that was given to let them put the ball in the box, which is never a free kick. Mm. You know, Joel Linton's knocked the ball away and he's just ran into, I think, Holberg it was. Yeah. And just knocked him over. And the refs gave it as a free kick where it, it, it shouldn't be. So where's yeah. the point of VR? Does it take it back and go, well, the initial free kick wasn't a free kick anyway. There was a foul in the box, so there shouldn't be handball. Like, where does it stop? Yeah. I mean, the uh, tagline for VAR that we hear is used when there is a clear and obvious error. So is that free kick being awarded a clear and obvious error? And if it's not, why isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, unless Hoy- the they deemed that Hoiberg was actually going to get done by a 1-2, in which case he's positioned himself that Joe Linton will run into him. That I can understand. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, it's just, I think everyone after the game was looking at it like that's not a free kick. And it just it's frustrating to see sort of we are doing some things good and then still getting things like that wrong. Yeah. And it's still being slightly unclear about, well, how far should it go back? Yeah. And of course... Mourinho's comments he made two comments one which was a sort of a bar a thinly veiled barb at the FA um, he said if he wanted to donate money to charity he won't be giving it to the FA he'll give it to yeah. an actual charity if he wanted to donate money he'd do it to charity not to the FA yeah. so obviously alluding to the fact he didn't want to say anything to get himself fined for slagging off yeah. referees I get the feeling he might be fined anyway <laughs> possibly um, and then his second comment um was he suggested that a team that has doesn't win trophies and doesn't have a history of winning big trophies in big competitions doesn't get the calls and he alluded to Tottenham being that side effectively stating that Tottenham has no history yeah so it's a weird indirect way of saying this club I'm at isn't as big as I thought it was or doesn't get yeah. the respect maybe he thinks it deserves yeah and they're being punished by referee calls yeah, um, and also plays into that idea that the big, the big trophy-winning teams, Liverpool, um, 
Manchester City, Man United. Yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea, Arsenal. All yeah. get calls given to them because they have a history of being a top team. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, we'll address that. Do you think that's the case, that Tottenham just don't get the calls? Um, I, I, I don't think it is the case. I think it's more of a situation where it's just there's bad calls all around right now. Yeah. You know, you look at the United game against Palace the other week where they got, a, you know, a bad like handball call against them. Again, I think it's right within the rules of the game now, but it's a terrible kind of like rule. It shouldn't be a rule. Yeah. And um, but that went against United. I know they got a penalty against Brian, but yeah. Again, I think it's it's more just a case of there's so many penalties and so many bad decisions going around right now. Yeah. That it should balance itself out, and I think Spurs were just genuinely unlucky. Yeah. And then the second point the history comment as a fan or an owner of a football club and your manager come out comes out and says that how you how would you react um well i mean in the first case he's probably right i mean wasn't the whole point of appointing Mourinho was to turn them into a, a trophy winning team and therefore if that's his job remit then they weren't a trophy winning team before so i mean he Haven't is won correct a trophy since the EFL Cup, the then Carling Cup in 2008, I believe. Was it 2008? Yeah, it, it was a while ago. It was something like yeah. that. And again, that's a, a League Cup, you know. Yeah. No disrespect to it, you know. Um, Might have been 2010, actually, I think. Yeah, it, it was a, a while ago, yeah. anyway. And, um, but yeah, we talked about, I think, last week that the big teams don't really care about the League Cup. Yeah. And if that's Spurs' last trophy, which was a while ago, anyway, then, you know, they aren't challenging with the top teams. No. They, you know, they they had a good run under Pochettino. They looked like a solid side, and then they went downhill off. I think the hangover from the Champions League loss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's they seem to struggle to attract top top players as well, didn't they? Yeah, and I mean they've got a couple of obviously Kane and Son. You yeah, say, I mean, well, they've got class. Gareth Bale now, and Gareth Bale's coming, but. I think, but you look at Bale's transfer, and that's I think more based off his personal relationship with the club. Yeah, like he's not gone there because that's the biggest team he could go to. No, you know he's gone there because he loves Spurs. Yeah, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's it's good for them. It's good for everyone involved. Yeah, but I mean, the the thing is, like they they just aren't winning trophies, and that's why Mourinho's there, and that's yeah. why they're bringing these players in to turn them into a trophy winning team. Yeah, we. How many more players do you think Tottenham would need to sign to reach that trophy-winning team? Um, or do you think there's an element that Mourinho's style of management perhaps isn't cut out for the Premier League anymore? To be honest, watching the game against Newcastle, I actually thought Spurs looked really good. I thought they, they should have scored four or five goals. So I actually don't think they're that far away. I think it's just a case of them getting a bit of luck. I think Mourinho's been genuinely unlucky at his time at Spurs with injuries in the first season yeah. and now with a couple injuries again with the current squad and you know bad decisions and fixture congestion exactly yeah, yeah. so I, I think there may be two or three players away I think another centre-back would be good Yeah. I think their full-backs are very far away from being the best I know they've mm. got Regulon now but he didn't play yeah. hopefully it'll be a good signing for them but, um, and Serge Aurier right back they probably need a replacement yeah. and um, uh, is it Doherty Matt Do- yeah Matt Doherty Doherty yeah, Doherty, yeah. Um, he's not looked great since he joined. No. Um, but I think if they can sort those out, I would expect them to win 
maybe an FA Cup or something like that yeah. in the next couple of years. Yeah. Or but, a Europa League, something like that. I don't think they're going to be getting the Champions League or winning the title anytime soon. But I think they, they're definitely due a trophy. Yeah, yeah. And for Tottenham fans, I hope that's going to be soon. Um, when we mentioned the handball, we touched on the Man United handball. So let's address that one. It's the second VAR call. Now, you're of the opinion that they actually got that one right. Well, I think it is right, but again, it, it it just comes down to the new rule and how it's implemented. And it probably is handball, and I think the only question mark you would have is, well, the final whistle was blown, surely that's the end of the game. But yeah. I think with VAR, there's been precedent in the past. I think in the Bundesliga, a game was finished and then VAR went, there was actually a penalty that should have been given, and the players came out sort of 10, 15 minutes later and yeah. took the penalty. So I think... It probably was right how the rules were enforced. Yeah. It's just, you know, the game in general, you know. Yeah. Maybe they played too many added time, too much added time. Yeah. It was five minutes, ended up scoring in the hundredth minute. Yeah. <laughs> so. But the argument being that the handball happened during the game, so therefore yeah. the decision is there to be made because it's looking at that clear and obvious error, which it was. He's practically led with the hand. Yeah, yeah. To try and block... Um, block the header yeah so yeah it's not like the ball's gone in and the ref's blown the whistle and then it's hit his hand you know it happened while the ball was still in play while everything was still live and I think as frustrating as it was from a Brian perspective and I think a neutral perspective because Brian did have to win the game it probably was the right decision yeah and then the sort of final well the final handball call that we've looked at there's probably many a couple more that we've missed um, it's one that kind of slightly went under the radar. Did get a VAR check, but they found no handball. Was Kai Havertz for Chelsea um, in the build-up for the third goal, the equaliser? Yeah, the equaliser. Yeah. Again, for those who maybe didn't spot, uh, he's he's gone to control the ball in his chest, but it's come to his chest and sort of popped up onto his sort of elbow bicep area. Yeah. Before he's knocked it back to. Um, a teammate who's squared it for Abraham to tap in. Yeah. Handball? Um, I think it's interesting with the new rules. In my mind, I don't think that should be handball. I think that's probably accidental. I think it, you know, it, it shouldn't be disallowed. But when you look at the penalties that are being given from a defensive point of view, it's very similar to what's happened. And it seems strange to me that there's one rule for attackers and one rule for defenders. Yeah. And I don't think that's quite right. But again, with how this new rule's written, I think maybe technically, under the laws of the game, it might have been the correct decision. Because yeah. I think they do have a rule that it is different for attackers. Yeah. But again, I don't think that should be the case. I think it's the rules that are wrong, not how they're being enforced, really. Yeah. So, I mean, as we say, as we look at it, there's actually only one, maybe two correct calls of the Chelsea were a bit unsure. Tottenham was definitely, in our opinion, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because, so that leads to the handball rule first of all let's if you had the perfect hand if you could decide the rules and how handball is enforced how do you think that the handball rule should be implemented that still penalizes people for illegal handling of the football but benefits the game long term i think one of the big things that i think they need to look at is sort of intent and awareness of the players like I think the Eric Dyer one's a great example where he's made no he, you know he doesn't want to handball it he, yeah. he literally doesn't know where the ball is and he's been pushed and his arm goes up naturally like that is purely accidental I yeah. think if it's 
purely accidental and the arm is in a relatively natural position yeah. or a natural position based off of what's happened to that player. Yeah. Like if you get pushed in the back, your arms go up. Like yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. And um, I think if it is genuinely accidental and there's no intent to pretend to be accidental, then it shouldn't be handball. Yeah. Obviously if a player arm is out to the side and it hits his arm and stops a goal, yeah, that's a penalty. So if a defend if that leads back into that is this is where the tricky bit comes because if a defender tries to make themselves wider, which most defenders yeah. do, they open up their body and they spread their legs. The arms sometimes come out. Does that count? Because that's surely not intentional. But yeah. the they've made themselves wider to try and block it, and therefore blocks it with their arms. So it, it's not intentional, but it is. Yeah, I think there needs to be kind of a definition of what counts as a natural position. Yeah, I think clearer guidelines on that. And not just you stood there, your arms are down by your sides. Like like you said, if a player's defending and they've got to make a bigger body shape, yeah. what constitutes natural in that position? Yeah. And I think if the FA or the UEFA or whoever it is making these rules needs to define those different factors yeah. and go, this is what a handball is and literally have a picture showing it in all these different possible contexts and circumstances. Yeah. So it's very obvious when it goes to VAR, they can look at it and go, yeah, I've, I've read the rules, I've seen the pictures, that's a handball. Yeah. And then second of all, obviously VAR was used to check a couple of offsides. I don't think there was anything that was um, actually given through VAR. It just yeah. did a quick offside check after some couple of goals. Um, the actual use of VAR, when I was, as we alluded to last week, we're now seeing referees regularly go and check the pitch side screen, which we called for last yeah, season. We I, said, you've got a screen, good. use it. Um, is VAR the application of VAR? Have they sort of nailed on how to apply it? Or do you think that, particularly with the handball rules we've discussed, and as well as offside, offside is just sort of not getting so much of a hammering because everyone's furious about handball? Yeah. Um, personally, I think the way it's actually implemented VAR is good. I think it's being used as it should be. The rest are being allowed to make the final call and... I can't really criticise VAR itself. Um, I think it's the rules that are the problem and the handball rule, especially like we've talked about. And I mean, offside is offside. It's is what it is. If they want to change yeah. that, then that's a different case. But I think if you want to bring in video assistant referees, this is how you do it. Yeah. And I can't really criticise the process yeah. more just the outcomes from the new rules. Yeah. It is, it is certainly causing controversy, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, hopefully... Obviously, Jamie Carragher called for the removal of it because it's killing the game. Yeah, um, I think... Um, much like his commentary. <laughs> I don't mind him. Um, no, I think you looked on Twitter after the game and everyone was talking about how football's been ruined. And yeah. I don't think there's anyone who's happy with it right now. No. There's even managers who, when they're getting calls in their favours, are still saying, this is a stupid rule, it should be changed. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, it's one that I think will be changed. Yeah. I mean, we can only hope it's not going to affect games too much going forward, but I think that's wishful thinking. Yeah, I think next couple of weeks are still going to be rough, but hopefully they'll get it sorted and get it changed for the better. Yeah. Another point of controversy we've got to talk about is uh, Rodri's comments after their fight of Manchester City's 5-2 loss to Leicester. Um, Rodri came out saying he thought that Leicester were lucky and it's very difficult to play against a team who put... 10 men behind the ball and that Leicester didn't really do much yeah it's 
utterly bizarre comments. Um, yeah. I'd only like to remind Rodri who he used to play for, Atletico Madrid, yeah. which are the masters at that. Yeah. Um, it's very strange. Um, I, I guess he doesn't like losing, which is good, but... Um, it's understandable. Yeah, but no, he's he's dead wrong. I mean, you conceded five goals. Yeah. Um, you don't concede five goals without the opposition doing something. It's a well-drilled defence. There was... Can't say that he was wrong with Leicester's defensive positioning. They were well-drilled and they were compact in the middle, which stopped City playing. That's not technically wrong. But to say that Leicester did nothing going forward, they found a weakness in your defence, which was that your full-backs pushed up to join the attack, leaving space for Harvey Barnes, who I thought had a really good game. Yep. Vardy... Exceptional. Yeah. To just go over the top. They had the pace on the centre-offs, put it in behind, we'll latch onto it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, when you're so open at the back, you don't have to do a lot to score goals. No. And you can allow most of your players to sit back and just counter-attack when yeah. you need. And if I was Rodri complaining about someone not doing something, it would be, you know, Eric Garcia not closing down James Madison. Yeah. You know, I think the problems need to be you know, are closer to home for yeah. Man City. The, and they should focus on themselves instead of criticising the team that just put five yeah. past them. The, the frankly defensive frailties that Rodri has to be accountable for, being a holding midfielder. Exactly, yeah. You conceded three penalties, all of which, as we said earlier, were stupid. Yeah, you had the, stupid They decisions. had no idea they were there. Stupid decision by defenders. Yeah, by defenders, yeah. Yeah, not the, <laughs> not the referees. <laughs> we're not, we're yeah. not debating them. They were yeah. clear penalties. Yeah. Um, just... Piss poor decision making from defenders. Yeah, and some of them experienced. Carl Walker experienced. Ben Mendy experienced. Yeah, uh, Eric. I mean, Goss, Nathan Ake has plenty of experience. Yeah, Nathan Ake was the only one who didn't mistake make a, a severe mistake leading to a goal and scored one. Yeah, if the, if there's any bright spot from the game, it's Nathan Ake wasn't completely terrible. Yeah, compared to the rest of the back four. It's. Um, does this play into you think maybe a bit of an attitude problem at City there's a level of arrogance that they kind of expect now to brush teams aside and can't be they can't hold themselves accountable when they do make a mistake I, I think possibly I mean most really great teams that win you know trophies consistently are arrogant and they do have that arrogance about them but I think it, they're deflecting the blame because yeah. it's their fault they lost the game as yeah. good as Leicester were, you know, they gave them every opportunity to beat them. Yeah. And I think the the biggest issue is that they need to solve that problem. And instead of complaining about the opposition, yeah. go, okay, we made the mistakes, how do we stop those mistakes next time? Yeah. I mean, we said, as you said earlier, um, Manchester City linked to another centre-half in Ruben Diaz. Um, I think it, I saw a statistic on Twitter that Manchester City have spent 345 million pounds on defenders yeah after seeing that defensive display and some of the uh, some of the names that they've brought in you think that actually defend that's probably their weakest area isn't it like yeah I mean they've wasted a lot of money I think everyone would agree with that I think the Man City board or transfer committee would agree with that yeah the amount of money they've spent they're not getting the kind of outcomes I mean if we if we think of City defenders over the last few years Carl Walker you can argue good signing yeah a good, good signing, signing. Um, maybe coming towards the end of his time there but still a decent player still holding down João Cancelo a waste oh, of money has barely played can't yeah. seem to get in the team Ben Mendy 
I mean, he's not played that much, and when he has played, he hasn't been great. Not been great. Um, John Stones? Again, not really great. He's came in and did okay initially, but yeah. since then he's really dropped off. I'm Eric Laporte. Is he's a good player. Good player, but has had his troubles with injuries and yeah. illnesses and stuff like that. Um, who else have they got? Zinchenko? Yeah, well, <laughs> he's not really a defender, is he? <laughs> no, he's a wide attacker, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I, I think that's where he used to be. He was an attacking midfielder. Yeah. That they forced into left back and didn't work. It's it. It's a struggle, isn't it? I think as a Man City fan, it's you've got to look at that and say defensively, maybe there is a bit of an issue that we've kind of been turning a blind eye to. Obviously, the experiment of Fernandinho at centre back didn't really work. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not like they have the players that were there before, like company can come in and be, you know, he was one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League for years. Yeah. And they just don't have that anymore. And I don't know if there's players out there that they can sign to do that. And I think maybe they need to work on coaching the players they have to do better. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it is their biggest problem. And if they don't sort it out, it might cost them the title again. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to keep a close eye on their signings because you know, I think they've been linked with Kaladu Koulibaly all summer yeah well the last two summers really yeah um, I, I think a lot of clubs have been linked with them yeah um, as we say Ruben Diaz I think Koulibaly I think is more of a short term solution because I think he's 30 if not approaching 30 now yeah um, Ruben Diaz you'd see is more of a long term solution yeah, potentially. If he performs at the level they want them to. Yeah, I I think the one of the problems is as well. You look at like Gabriel, who Arsenal just signed, who's looked every part of a Premier League player. You kind of question, well, maybe why didn't Man City go for him? You know, he looks decent on the ball. He looks good defensively, and yeah. he was relatively cheap for this market. You know, it's it's strange that those players that we're seeing go to other teams just aren't going to see when City yeah. need them the most. Um. And obviously, young players coming through as well don't seem to have many young defenders. Eric Garcia, who came through, has been sort of in and around the squad the last couple of seasons. But as we said against Leicester, he didn't look fantastic, yeah. did he? And even he's been linked to moves away back to Spain. Yeah. And it seems most of Man City's sort of youth players are in, you know, attacking midfield or even up front. Yeah. Um, and they just don't have the defensive players coming through. It's always difficult for a young defender to come through and fill such a huge gap. Because unfortunately, if you do make a mistake, it does tend to lead to a goal. Yeah, exactly. It's the same with goalkeepers. You know, it's very rare to see young goalkeepers as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, they have a big problem and I don't really see how they're going to fill it. Yeah, it's certainly going to be an issue for them going forward. So it'd be exciting to see how they get on against Leeds who have been scoring goals pretty comfortably yeah so that could be an interesting watch yeah definitely it could be an, another upset right well we're coming towards the end of the show round off in the way we always do making predictions for this week's football of course today we've got a big game um, in yeah. Liverpool versus Arsenal um, Liverpool's third game of the season um going to be an interesting game isn't it yeah um, two good sides obviously the title holders Liverpool and an Arsenal side that looks revitalised under Arteta and um, I think it will be a lot closer than these games have been previously you know I think over the years Arsenal have 
had some bad losses to Liverpool. And I don't think they're going to be quite as bad tonight. But I still think Liverpool will win. I, I reckon it will be a, a 2-1 to Liverpool. Yeah, um, I have to agree with you. I was going to go 2-1 myself um, to Liverpool. I think that Liverpool have looked very strong going forward. Yeah. Um, Arsenal still look strong going forward, but maybe a little dependent on Aubameyang. Yeah. Um, it does depend, though, if I think Alisson and Thiago, Thiago have passed yeah. their fitness tests. If they're fit to play, I think we could see... Liverpool win 2-1, maybe 2-0, um, because Liverpool have looked a little shaky at the back. Yeah, there's still question marks about them there. I think with Adrian in goal over Alisson, that'd be more of an issue. Yeah, I think definitely, because Alisson gives the whole defence so much more confidence. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it will be a close game, but I think Liverpool should win this one. Yeah, and speaking of Liverpool-Arsenal, we'll see the exact same fixture again on Thursday in the EFL Cup. Yeah. Fourth round. Um, funny that, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird how how the fixture list comes out, um, and I, I'd expect very changed sides as well. Yeah. Um, you know, they both teams rotate. I think they played each other in the league cup last season as well. Yeah. Um, but again, I think Liverpool will probably come through. I think they've got some really talented youth players that will get some more time, like Curtis yeah. Jones and other players like that, and um. It's hard to predict the scoreline because yeah. you don't know who's going to be playing. But um, I'll say uh, a 2-0 to Liverpool this time. 2-0? Okay. I would go You know, I would go for the same scoreline of 2-1. I think if you say we'll see a rotated line-up from both teams um, with a couple of first-teamers still in there. Yeah. Um, and I, but I just think that Liverpool's youth prospects um, and sort of fringe players Shakiri, Minamino Origi I just think might be a little bit stronger than Arsenal's fringe players but as we said Arsenal have looked revitalised under Arteta so yeah. you never know with that game so. yeah I'd agree with all that and I mean when there are so many changes you know it's it's so hard to predict yeah and we'll jump now to Saturday where Leeds take on Man City yep as we just mentioned um, yeah I think it will be potentially a difficult game because yeah. Leeds are good going forward but also like we said earlier I think Man City will definitely want to punish the team they come up against next Yeah, and I, I reckon it will be something like 5-3 to Man City Ooh. I'm going to really go out there Bold and prediction. predict something crazy It's I wouldn't say 5 I, I can see maybe a 4-1 to Man City I think that I said City are going to want to go out and punish them, but I think that Leeds just they've got the ability to score. Yeah. And Man City look a bit ropey after seeing what Leicester did to them. I, I maybe see Bielsa maybe change the system up a little bit to take advantage of yeah what he saw. But they're a quick team going forward. Jack Harrison, Helda Costa, uh, Rodrigo when he comes on because yeah. usually starts Bamford. Um, so. That will be an interesting watch, but yeah, I've got to say the Man City are. Yeah, the I think we've got the same sort of thinking. I think I just think it's going to be a bit crazier. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sunday, Manchester United take on Tottenham. Yeah. Two teams on different ends of the spectrum with regards to VAR and handballs we've alluded to earlier. 
um, Mourinho, big game for him as well, returning yeah, to his former back to his employer. Uh, which, how do you see that going? Um, I mean, I, I've defended Mourinho a lot. I've defended Spurs a lot over the years, and um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna back them against United. I think United have been poor, and I think Spurs have been more unlucky than they have been poor. Yeah. If you look past the very first game against Everton, and I reckon it will be um, uh, one nil to Spurs. Yeah, I can I can see Mourinho bringing his famous bus out. Yeah. Um, get sm- maybe a bit of a smash and grab. Um, I'm going to be very bold and predict the scoreline as 2-0 to Tottenham, but I don't think that will tell the story. I think we're going to see a lot of United possession with Tottenham trying to break fast on the counter, draw them in. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, Tottenham have got a big game coming up midweek as well. On Tuesday, actually, uh, t- they play Chelsea in the EFL Cup. So I think, I mean, if I'm going to make a prediction for that, I actually see Chelsea winning that because I think Mourinho's eyes might be on the league. Potentially, yeah. Although you have to think, you uh, know, doors, like but... we mentioned, Spurs want win want to win trophies. Yeah. And I think there might be a slight concern where he doesn't want to go out so early. Yeah. So I, I think he might play a relatively strong team. Mm. But likewise, I think Chelsea will still play a strong team, and I think they've yeah. got better squad depth. Yeah. So I reckon um, I'm actually gonna go for Spurs on that one again. I'm gonna say. 2-1 to Spurs. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've gone 2-1 for, to Chelsea. Um, although Ch- Chelsea are defensively, they look a bit rocky, don't they? Thiago yeah. Silva got a rough introduction to his life in the Premier League. He did, a very rough one. He uh, played quite poorly. and I think he got, did he get taken off at half-time? Or I think it might half? have been. He, uh, he did a Stevie G. Yeah. <laughs> um, if that means we can stop giving Gerrard shit. Please, as a Liverpool fan, please leave him alone. <laughs> He's had enough. Yeah, but uh, give no. it to Thiago Silva for a while. Yeah, you know it could be rough for them if they make as many mistakes against Spurs as they did against West yeah. Brom. Yeah, and the final EFL Cup game is also involving one of the teams playing on Sunday. United will be away to Brighton. Yeah, another rematch. Yeah, a very weird kind of fixture list. Don't quite know how all this is worked out, but um, it is what it is. And, uh, I mean, looking after the last game, you'd think Brighton should probably win it based yeah. off how they played. And I think United will probably rotate as well. Brighton probably less so. So um, I reckon it will be 2-0 to Brighton, I reckon. Strong prediction. I, I, I want to back United. I don't think, as much as I hate them, I don't think they'll be that poor again against Brighton. They know what to expect from Brighton and Graham and how Graham Potter's style of play. Obviously, I think this side, this Brighton side, is more what Graham Potter wants. Yeah. Um. So, I think the United will be scraping it, just a one nil. But that's enough. That'll get them through. Yeah, potentially. I think it depends on what United side turn up. I think. If they play a lot of the players that played um, this weekend, they'll probably want to show that they are better than Brighton. Yeah. But if he throws maybe a mix of youth and some sort of fringe players, I yeah. think Brian might um, get the win this time. Yeah, it's just funny how the EFL Cup has thrown up some identical fixtures. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, but as we always say, that's football. It's a funny old game. Thank you so <laughs> much for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.